Do you even use your telephone for its original intended purpose these days? Or do you just use it for posting videos and cat memes and cat video memes? And should you be worried about what cyber criminals can do with your phone? Stick around. This is Cybersecurity Uncensored. Welcome to Cybersecurity Uncensored. My name's Logan. Welcome to the channel. So, vishing, voice phishing, how is that a thing? Well, you might be tempted to think that voice phishing is probably not as big of an issue as maybe it used to be. You know, once upon a time, telephones were landline, physically connected, controlled by the phone company. You had to have an account in order to have a phone number, but a lot of things have changed. Everybody remembers prank calls. Hey, if you're my age or older, you probably remember making some prank calls back in the day. It was good fun. But cyber criminals have definitely taken the fun out of these kind of calls. So how has it kind of evolved over time? Well, with the invention of caller ID, some of those prank calls quickly evaporated. And when we started to recognize the inbound numbers, say for if it was coming from mom or dad or from a work colleague, you were able to pick up the phone. If it was an unknown number or a private number, it would show as such, and you could just let it go to voicemail and let that filter it out. With advances in technology, stuff like voice over IP or VoIP, as well as mobile cellular technology, has allowed people to become a bit more anonymous than what they used to be beforehand. Rather than being tied to a physical location and an actual account, people could operate in relative anonymity and get away with it. So vishing or voice phishing has definitely its place in the cyber criminal community. So rather than more kind of passive attack by someone hiding anonymously behind a keyboard, they would generally have to get you on the phone in order to talk to you. You actually had a live caller at the other end once upon a time. But with rise of AI and with the rise of some other types of automation, this isn't always the case. And you don't know if you're speaking to an actual person or if you're actually speaking to a recording. So the simple solution used to be simply to hang up the phone, and that is still very effective in this day and age. But I want to take a bit of a deeper dive into what vishing is all about so you have a bit more information to understand how it is, how it impacts you, and what you can do about it going forward. So to understand the crime, you have to understand the motivation. So why do cyber criminals engage in vishing? Well, if you've seen some of my other content, which I'll share a link to in the description of this video, cyber criminals are after information access and control. Now, while getting control while using a telephone is a bit more difficult, they can certainly gain information and access. And I'm gonna walk you through some of the things that they use to get it. But for now, let's look at some of the motivating factors. The first one and probably the most obvious one is financial payoff. They're gonna to try to get access to your bank account or they're gonna to try to get you to send them money. They're going to tell you that you owe someone money. They're gonna take on the persona of an authority a tax agent, a police officer, or someone else in a position that you tend to believe that you owe money to. Some cyber criminals just do this to stir you up. Uh, I think that tends to be a thing of the past these days. I think that everyone has a bit of a motivation behind it rather than doing it for the sake of doing it. Yes, there are some that still, in fact, do this sort of thing just for a bit of online clout. For example, if they can ring up and prank a celebrity. Prank calls used to be a big thing on radio back in the day. You used to listen to the prank calls where they'd call a celebrity up and make them think that they were someone calling on behalf of an authority or a contest or a movie producer or something like that. And it was good for a laugh. 
But these days, those types of things are far more sinister. Quite often, vishing is used as a first point of a larger scale attack. They're sussing you out to figure out who you are and what you're all about and to see whether or not you'll actually respond. By placing a phone call, sometimes they can just figure out whether or not the line is live to begin with. Is there an actual person at the other end of that phone that's going to pick it up? That can become a bit more information that's unsold to other cyber criminals. They can also try to find other pieces of information about you, such as your name and a few other details, and then add that to some existing information or use it as a preliminary start to finding more information about you online. Successful vishing attacks actually get people to surrender their details over the phone and the cyber criminal can actually take control from there. But quite often, they're trying to trick you into doing something for them. Some angles to consider, including what they're actually after, and it could actually be your voice. So by getting you to respond with certain words to certain prompts, for example, as yes, no, I agree, a cyber criminal can record you and then replay this. If any place uses your voice print as an identification method, using this type of replay is a good way to dupe systems or even trick people. In some instances, they want to record your voice so they can actually manipulate it using technology like AI for voice cloning. But I'll delve into that a little bit later on. Before we go too much further in this video, there's one thing that I do want you to be aware of, and that's just the size and scale of vishing. There are entire call centers set up dedicated to voice phishing. There are entire businesses basically established with call centers that do nothing than vish people all day long. They hand this information over to other more seasoned criminals to execute the actual attacks, or in some cases, that is the beginning and the completion of the attack itself by the person that calls you in the first place. Sometimes I wonder if this arose as a result of them finding that telemarketing doesn't really generate quite as much interest and in activity as it used to. So rather than trying to sell somebody a $5,000 thing, or maybe a $5 thing, maybe it's easier to trick somebody out of $5,000 or even $5. So generally when it comes to vishing attacks, there's gonna be one of two approaches. Either it's gonna be a live call or it's gonna be a recorded call. A live call, for example, could be the well-known Microsoft scam. This isn't a knock against Microsoft. This is simply cyber criminals pretending to be a very well-known and trusted brand. They try to convince you that something has happened and they need to assist. Automated calls, I'm not sure how it works in the rest of the world, but here in Australia, you will often get an automated call that speaks in Cantonese. So from what I can figure out, it's cyber criminals overseas trying to trick foreign nationals into responding to them. Uh, they tell them that there's a problem with their visa, perhaps they're going to be deported, perhaps there's an issue with parents or family back home. What they're trying to do is trick them into complying. Perhaps it's to take action, perhaps it's just to send them money. The third part that's come along is instead of it being either a live caller or a recorded message, it's a bit of a hybrid approach. With the use of artificial intelligence technology, they can actually clone your voice or clone the voice of an authority or another trusted person in real time, they speak into a microphone, the technology converts the voice, and the output sounds like an actual person speaking to you. Well, there used to be a time where you could pick these apart pretty easy, but with modern technology, it's getting a lot more difficult to distinguish a fake voice from a real one. Vishing, for example, doesn't always have to start with a phone call. That can actually be the second or the third phase to it. You might receive an email or a text message urging you to call someone. So they're trying to get you to initiate the connection. In some cases, this could actually be a toll number where they actually charge you an arm and a leg just to speak to them in the first place. KG. The approach of the cyber criminals varies, but they usually try to put some sort of a sense of urgency into you. 
They try to create fear, such as you've committed a crime or you've done some other type of offense, or they tell you that your account has been disabled, or they tell you someone's in trouble, someone's been injured. They tell you that someone might need some financial assistance, or sometimes it might be of a bit more of a positive note. They might tell you that you've won a prize. Perhaps you've won a free cruise, a new car, or some sort of a cash prize. But at that point, you have to think, did I actually enter this contest in the first place? Far more often than not, that call has a bit of a threatening tone to it because cyber criminals know that by making people anxious and feeling like they're in trouble, they can definitely draw action out of them and make them do what they want. So what I want to do now is I want to go through a few of these methods, motives, styles of attacks, give you a few ideas about what some of these vishing attacks are like. The first one, and one of the more common ones, is what they call the imposter scammer. Now, this is a vishing attack where the person on the other end of the phone or the recorded voice pretends to be an authority or perhaps somebody well-known. Most of the time, it's an authority. They'll say it's the police. They'll say it's immigration. They'll try to cause some sort of a reason for alarm within you. Or it could be impersonating a famous person like a celebrity, uh, maybe even somebody that's a high-ranking official with your local government or bank. Or they try to impersonate people that you know, friends, family, business colleagues. What they're trying to do is imitate someone to try to trick you. Among these, the tax scam seems to be quite popular. People want their money back from the government. So if someone's ringing them about a refund, they're more than happy to take that call. But at the same time, if you get a phone call from somebody like the Australian Tax Office, Canadian Revenue Agency, the Internal Revenue Service, or someone like that, telling you that you owe money and that there's penalties, a lot of people will take that fairly seriously without really thinking, hmm, this might actually be a scam. Another one that people might run into is what's called the romance scam. It usually starts out online. It's a kind of a form of catfishing. And then eventually, when they can get you on the phone, they'll sell you a bit of a hard luck story by saying that they really want to come to see you or be with you, but they need some money. Can you buy them a plane ticket? Or maybe they have some bills that they need to pay, or perhaps they have a sick relative or something like that. They're really trying to tug at your emotional heartstrings. They're really trying to get your attention this way by making an emotional reaction, by thinking either that they're very much interested in you. And if you do these things, perhaps you could be together. There's another one that was around a few years ago that I would not be surprised to see it come back. Right now, cost of living crisis is up. People are doing it tough. A lot of people have taken on a lot of debt, you know, just to stay afloat just to try to put food on the table and pay the rents or their mortgages. So debt relief scams, you know, and debt consolidation scams, very, very popular. So a lot of these appear online, but that's not to say that you won't get a phone call from somebody saying, hey, uh, if you're doing it tough, we can help you. A lot of times by using these credit relief services, it actually impacts your credit score negatively. So that's one thing to think about. But odds are in this day and age, it's probably a scam. Of course, on the other side of the financial motivation is they try to trick you into thinking that you're going to make money. So someone might call you up with this amazing business opportunity. This might be more targeted at people that own small businesses or even large businesses rather than the average individual. But you never know. It could even be one of these work from home scams. So any kind of an investment opportunity or business opportunity that you get a random phone call about, you want to question that. Another one of the darker ones tends to be the charity scams, where you'll get someone pretending to be, say, Red Cross or from UNICEF or some charitable organization that's quite well known. 
They might be raising money for disaster relief. Perhaps there's been a flood, there's been a fire or an earthquake, tsunami, something like this. Well, a lot of the charities will step up and try to help out, but the problem is in and amongst them, the scammers take full advantage of it. It's a very dirty tactic, but it's a very effective one. So if there's been a large scale disaster somewhere in the world and you get a phone call from the Red Cross asking for money, you might be inclined to go along. But is it actually the Red Cross or is it a cyber criminal? You need to figure that out first. This next one tends to be more of an online thing that you're going to get through smishing, receiving it by text message or by emails. It's the parcel scams. So instead of getting, say, a text message advising you that your parcel couldn't be delivered, you might actually get a voice call from some distribution center or courier company, or at least somebody pretending to be those, to let you know that your parcel has been delayed, there's some other problem, and you need to provide some more details. Ultimately, they're trying to get more information out of you, maybe even get you to make a payment. Now, I've saved this one for last because I think it's one of the darkest ones, and it's probably one of the most effective ones that's out there. And these are the vishing scams that are about kidnapping. And maybe it's not so obvious here in, say, the Western world, but in the third world countries, it's, it's a very big problem where uh, someone will pretend to have taken someone else hostage or have kidnapped an individual like a child or a family member. And when you get that phone call, you really sit up and you pay attention. And this is where things really get dirty. Now, this is one of the scams that's probably been around the longest. But in some countries, it could actually be legitimate. So if you do get any kind of a call like this, I would urge you to uh, speak to the authorities if you get these type of calls. They're going to be very targeted and very specific. Uh, they tend to target overseas nationals and that sort of thing. For example, if someone's moved abroad, uh, let's just say that uh, someone from India has moved to Canada, they might inform them that their you know, loved one has been taken by criminals. Uh, so they're going to respond to that very quickly. But... Hopefully you won't get these type of calls, but if you do, please seek help, speak to the authorities. You might ask, what can technology companies do about this? Surely the whole responsibility shouldn't reside with us just because we have a phone. Well, in all fairness, the telcos are actually doing a lot of things to try to combat scam callers. They've got a few different systems in place. Like caller ID is one method, but there is really easy ways to kind of circumvent that and spoof caller ID. And some people are still going to pick up the phone no matter what when it rings. So there's a few technologies that have come up. And funnily enough, if you're a James Bond fan, they're called Stir and Shaken. The first one known as Stir, Secure Telephony Identity Revisited. Now what it is is basically a way to kind of secure the call via a certificate. This tends to be present in VoIP systems. It's just another way to make sure that the call coming through is actually legitimate. There's a lot more to the technology than that. But I just wanted you to know that the telcos are actually trying to put systems and protocols in place to try to combat this type of stuff. Now, the other one, SHAKEN, stands for Signature-Based Handling of Asserted Information Using Tokens. Yes, I actually had to read that one because I just couldn't remember it. It's just another method to try to secure things. Uh, how they come up with STIR and SHAKEN, I think STIR was around first. Uh, so obviously, they antagonized and probably abused a few dictionaries to try to come up with SHAKEN and try to reverse it into some sort of an acronym. But again, just know that there's technology out there that the telcos are trying to use in order to secure the calls and prevent these type of scam calls from happening in the first place. Okay, so we spent a bit of time talking about, you know, real calls and some of the methods. So one of the rising things that's really coming up as a problem is artificial intelligence where it impacts vishing. 
So where at one time someone actually had to physically speak to you or replay a call, there's now a few different additional things. Now, yes, there's the replay attack where they've recorded bits and pieces of a person's voice, edited them together and replayed it back to sound legitimate. It used to be really shonky, but with editing software, things have gotten a lot better with that sort of thing. That's why you want to be cautious about what you're saying on the phone and to whom, because you never know if you could be recorded. Now, this can actually move outside of telephony, and it could actually occur in public. For example, if you're sitting in a restaurant having a very intense personal conversation, you need to be aware of who's around you and who might be listening, or more accurately, what might be listening. You could be recorded, and they could use this in order to replay it and duplicate your voice. So the replay attack takes a bit of effort. So the next one that came along is kind of the real-time attack. And this, with the rise of artificial intelligence and very powerful computers, plus cheap software, allows someone to speak into a microphone and manipulate the voice so that the output sounds exactly like another person. All you have to do is adjust stuff like pitch, tone, speed, maybe adjust a few things for regional linguistic characteristics, but it can be done in real time. So a cyber criminal really just needs to get you on the phone and then speak into the other end of the receiver. And it sounds like you're having a live conversation with another person. That's really tricky. The other one that's done in real time is more or less a text to speech thing where they can execute a script and it can actually read off various bits and pieces. How this really works in depth can vary. It can be based on the voice prompts that you give, in which case you say one thing and it'll respond with something based on what you've just told it, or they can have a prepared script, or if they're a really fast typer, they can actually probably type it in real time to respond to you. That one's a little bit less likely because if you're like me, you're not a very fast typer. But out of those methods, I tend to believe that the real-time use of AI in order to manipulate a person's voice, and voice changers are not new. They've just gotten better. So how do you detect these type of things? Well, detection is going to be a very tricky thing to begin with. Look, at one time they used to say, just listen for the foreign accent and then hang up. Well, truth be told, you probably don't get a lot of those foreign accent callers anymore. And these days with overseas tech support, that's not always that easy, but it still is possible. The other thing to kind of look for is some of the behavioral characteristics of some of these callers. Perhaps they're trying to trick you into revealing some information. So they generally do this by calling up and saying they want to confirm some details. That should be your first red flag. Anytime they want to confirm details, you might want to just say, is there a number where I can call you back? If they refuse to give you a number, then that's your, another red flag. But if they do give you a number, you can always research it. And don't hesitate to go to the company directly to confirm the situation. Because the easiest way to undo these scams is to verify them. Really, trust your gut. There might be some characteristics of the call that might be a bit off-putting. For example, a lot of questions about personal details, questions about other people, situations, scenarios. It could be a situation where they're gathering information for an attack, perhaps online or offline. If they encourage you to go online, for example, to go and download a piece of software, that's definitely a big red flag. If they encourage you to start using messaging service like WhatsApp or some other type of secure encrypted messaging, that's another big red flag. So what are some of the key strategies that you can employ if you can't really figure it out? Well, they're actually easier than you think. Now, the first one is just don't answer the call in the first place. Force it to go to voicemail. Uh, most of us should have voicemail set up. So if you see an unknown number comes in from private or an unknown number, or you don't even recognize the number itself if it's displayed, or even if it does have the name displayed and you don't recognize it, just don't answer it. 
let it go to voicemail. If it's that important, they'll leave you a message and then you can get back to them. But just be aware that sometimes cyber criminals will actually do this and leave you a message, in which case you have to listen to the message and figure out if it might be real or not. A lot of cases they're going to say that there's been a crime committed or your computer's doing something stupid or some other type of thing to try to lure you into calling them back. And once they get you on the phone, then they can start to try to work their magic. With spoofing, it's not always easy to tell just by looking at the number. Sometimes you're going to actually answer that call. And then depending on how that call goes, if they start asking you for details or they seem to be very specific, hang up. You don't have to stay on the line. You don't have to apologize for anything. If they try calling back, don't even answer it. Cyber criminals might persist for a little while, especially if they think they've got a live caller on the other end of the phone. But if you don't give in, look, they just don't have time to waste. They're going to move on. Okay, everyone, I hope you found this video helpful. Um, I just wanted you to be aware that phishing, like voice phishing, is still very much a problem out there. It's probably not as big of a problem as, say, email-borne phishing or smishing, which comes in by text messages or some other types of attacks. But just be aware that as long as you're walking around with a phone, or maybe some people still have home phones, I know a lot of people do for particular reasons, or your business phones, just be aware that cyber criminals try to target you from a variety of means and methods. So I encourage you to ask a lot of questions, verify all the details. If you need help, reach out to somebody that you know and trust for a second opinion. If it feels a bit threatening or intimidating, please get on to the authorities right away. Don't hesitate to report these types of things to companies like Microsoft or your cell service provider or your mobile service provider, depending on what part of the world you're in. But at the end of the day, guys, just stay safe out there. Love to hear from you. Please like and subscribe to the channel and we'll see you next time.